0: what's going on my self-improvement people it's brian ford with self-improvement daily take ownership of your personal development one tip at a time do you know what time it is it's time for a self-improvement sit down yes the typical format of the podcast will remain unchanged sharing a daily two-minute personal development approach mentality tactic or exercise it's just a good thought that challenges you to think differently be more mindful throughout your day and learn about the resources you need to excel. But in our self-improvement sit-downs, we find leaders who are the very best at what they do and dive deep into their expertise, pulling out value that can't possibly be condensed into two minutes. It's been an honor learning from our guests, and today is no different. Brace yourself for the high energy and sense of humor in self-improvement sit-down number 15 with today's guest, Brant Pinvidic. and we are live let me introduce today's stud guest his name is brant pinvidich brant is an award-winning film director and veteran television producer who has successfully pitched more than 300 television projects including the biggest loser and intervention he is a sought-after professional speaker and executive consultant the host of a podcast called why i am not with brant pinvidich and most pertinent to our conversation today the author of a new best-selling book, The Three-Minute Rule. After his 20-plus years of experience in producing, creating, and directing TV shows and movies, Brandt has developed some of the most advanced pitch and presentation techniques. And after reading the book personally, I can attest that his work will completely change your understanding of how to best convey information. Brant, let's do it. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you today.
1: Yeah, buddy. Good to be here.
0: So I gotta tell you, and of course, I'm supporting this book because I absolutely blew through it. It was uh, it was unbelievable to see, especially with my background in sales. But first and foremost, thank you for writing it because I feel like there is a void kind of in this space and a little convoluted mess that we're all experiencing in today's day and age in terms of how to actually communicate effectively, just given technology and you know interpersonal communications just kind of changing. Yeah, you bit. know,
1: as I was going through the book, and I you know it took about nine months to get it all written and. And I was sort of backing away from TV and people were asking, what are you doing? Oh, I'm writing a book. What's it called? It's called Three Minute Rule. What's it about? And I would explain it and they would be like, oh man, that's really needed in the world today. And I kept hearing that over and over again. It was just sort of like doing a service to keep people from yapping in meetings endlessly is is sort of, I feel good about that.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure that this is just the beginning of the influence it's going to have on people Um, because like, yeah, it is such a, it's a skill really. And it's kind of, you've been able to distill it down to your experience and everything that you've gotten into. And uh, let's kind of jump into some of that. And I'd like to kind of start more broadly, again, kind of the the context around the decision for you to write the book. What would you say it is about today's culture that's led us to this point of the effectiveness of short and simple communication?
1: Well, it's a little bit of two things, right? We have access to information and we've been bombarded by marketing. So when those two things converged, it's created this incredibly skeptical and hypersensitive audience. So right now you can get any information you want at the touch of a button in your hand at any moment. And that used to be, you know, 30 years ago, if I gave made you some big claim about my uh, fancy ballpoint pen that could write for four miles without breaking ink, it's like, you'd either have to decide if you trusted me to make that like that claim. Oh, like cause you're not going to go down to the library and like get an encyclopedia and like look up if that's possible. Whereas now anything, anybody claims, anything anybody talks about can be instantly verified. Right. And then when you combine that with the fact that marketing companies who have been deep into this state and prove method where they're basically stating a big claim to grab your attention and then trying to prove that it's going to be valuable, as that stopped being as effective the claims got bigger and bigger and so this clickbait mentality sort of overwhelmed every single piece of marketing out there in every company where it's like hey we have to just we have to b- make bigger headlines and state bigger things cuz nobody's listening and all that did was make people tune away and shy away and get sort of like turned off and they detest the idea that you're going to make big promises and it's funny because when i'm on stage doing a keynote i used to have this entire thing last year about clickbait and how clickbait works and how you get caught up in it. And I don't even have to, I can't even say that anymore because nobody gets caught in clickbait anymore. You know, the second you see the headline, it's a total bull. So it doesn't even work anymore. Like I've had to change just that, that that part of my speech alone, because that's how fast we're turning into this hypersensitive audience.
0: Interesting. Yeah. And I mean, kind of as you're referencing with the media companies, like they know exactly what they're doing with this clickbait in the book, you say that people can only, comprehend or have their attention in one place for 8.2 seconds, which you related to a goldfish, you know, so it's like, that's really the environment that we're working in, which is why this short and simple communication is, is the way to go. And I think kind of more broadly expanding beyond that, I mean, something you said in the book is success in life is dictated by your ability to convey your information to others. So they understand it the way you do and kind of cutting through some of the weeds and being able to speak to like, this is the core of the argument is, is just something that people can only comprehend within the attention span they have they don't have the 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 desire to even expand beyond that yeah. so i i love that concept
1: well and people like if you think about what you believe and what you hold true and what you want to have happen, right? You're obviously trying to influence someone else to follow along and believe what you do. And the biggest problem that people have is that you understand all of the information, you know, your product, business, or service inside and out, every detail, every nuance. It's like your favorite movie that you've seen 63 times. Like, you know, every director's move, you know, every breath, you know, every nuance of the character, you understand everything where it's like, The person on the outside can get there, but they need to be brought there like piece by piece. They need a foundation of information first, right? Then they can start to get the context that you want to give them. Then they can actualize what's going to happen next, like to build that. So they understand the value, the way you understand it. And I always say to anybody, particularly in sales, like you wouldn't be where you are if you didn't believe in your business or product or service you just need to get other people to believe in the same way you do and see the value you do. Uh, I can't help you if you if you're, you know, if you're trying to trick people or fool people into stuff you don't believe. That's almost impossible. But when you actually believe in it, it's like, okay, so all you got to do is make them see it the same way you do. And yep. what normally happens is you cloud it with all of the engagement information that you can only value after you have that foundation of information. And most people don't lay that out first. They want to lay out all the cool stuff first, and people are like, "Oh, I don't understand. I don't
0: get it." Right? They want to, yeah. They want to share what's impressive to them and what they think is interesting to them. When in reality, you're way too close to it to understand at a glance the the pivotal information. Absolutely. So, no, I love that concept. Okay, and then it's so it's called the three minute rule. So. Tell us about the power of three minutes. You know, why is three minutes the number?
1: Well, yeah, because three minutes isn't just a way to, it's just not a number to condense your information down to a certain timeline, right? It's really actually, there's a scientific principle about approach motivation and the Journal of Motivation, Emotion and Personality Studies this quite a bit. And basically it's why are we driven to engage in things? What drives us to that? And three minutes is about the maximum time frame that you can get someone to extend their natural decision-making process. And anybody listening will know, like someone's come to pitch you something or present something or ask you to do something. You already have the yes or no in your head in like the first minute. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's the first 30 seconds and sometimes it's the first 10 seconds. Right. Mm -hmm. So what you want to do is before someone makes a decision, they conceptualize the idea, then they contextualize the information as it relates to them. And then they actualize as in, do they want to engage further or do they want to get out? And so they're going to go through those three steps sometimes in the first 10 seconds. And if you do it right, if you lead your audience with really high quality sort of storytelling techniques, information piece by piece that guides them through, you can extend that decision to about three minutes is the maximum you can get to if you do it right. Then you'd actually get people all the valuable information before they decide, okay, I want to talk further with you. Okay, I want this meeting to continue. Oh, hey, I'm going to look at my phone. Oh, I got to go talk to my wife. Hey, let's have another meeting with the board. Like The decision by committee world is not going away. So your three minutes is not selling anything. Nobody buys like that. Everybody needs to verify. Everybody needs to check an Amazon review. Everyone wants to talk to their wife. Like You can't trick people into doing that anymore. So what you need them to do in those first three minutes is commit to going to the next step with you where they start to go to the engagement phase of your information. Totally. Yeah, that's a point that really stood out to
0: me in the book was this thought of, three minutes isn't only optimized for one person to understand it, but it's also optimized for them to share it with someone else because the decision-making matrix that we're all in doesn't stop at one person's interpretation in order to actually provide that value oh, yeah. that can then be conveyed to the next decision maker. Like that makes so much sense. And no, I loved hearing yeah, the science it, of three minutes. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. And it's called the, it's called the rationalization story Is what I call it, right? It's the story that we use to rationalize, our decisions to ourselves. And if you think about, and I do this on stage, where I'll have people picture and explain to themselves why they live in this in the house they live in or why they bought the car they, they own right now. And if you listen to your decision-making process, like if I ask you why do you own the car you drive, your your brain tells you very simple, straightforward answers. Your brain doesn't use big adjectives or trying to find different cool ways to say it, it just tells you, I like Mercedes it's been, you know, it was a good price. I, you know, like it just tells you the simple information and it tells it to you in the order of importance. And so that rationalization story is how we make decisions. And I have this really cool, um, exercise I do in one of my seminars where I'll have people come up and I'll have them basically explain their favorite movie in the world. Tell me everything about it. Give me your sort of version of the movie. And what you find is no matter how much you know that movie, no matter how much you love it, no matter if it's a three-hour Braveheart or Shawshank Redemption, you're incredibly detailed every single thing of why you love that movie. It's almost impossible to get past three minutes. Right. Because by that time, you've basically said all of the important, relevant, fact-based information that tells everybody why you love it. That's That's your rationalization story. And what I try to teach people to do is if you mimic your pitch and presentation the same way someone will use a rationalization story, when they go pitch somebody else, that's all they're getting. You might get an hour meeting with someone where you leave and the stars are out and the birds are singing. It's the greatest meeting you've ever had in your life. It took an hour and 12 minutes. And you guys talked about every little detail. When they go to their boss or when they go to the board or when they go to their wife or husband or when they ask their best friend or whatever happens, the most they're gonna come out with to explain what it is, how it works and what they're going to do is about 3 minutes. That's it. They're going to condense it. So why do you want them to be the one condensing it? You need to put it in that 3 minutes. Right.
0: It's uh I love that exercise actually because not only can they reproduce 3 minutes of it, but are they even going to stay in tune to your story for that full hour that you're explaining it, you know? So like there's two parts right. of it where there's kind of friction in the full message being conveyed. And also kind of as you share, you know, the one hour of it, you know, like kind of going back to what you were saying earlier with having a narrow focus and kind of sharing the parts that are most important to you. Again, that's not conveying what would be important to them and how they'd be able to share it. So like really this three minute formula is so good at condensing the information to just the fundamentals, as you call them, statements of value, right? Just the fundamentals. Absolutely. And then portraying that. I do want I do want to back you up because you very quickly touched on conceptualize, contextualize, and actualize, which I thought was a huge part of the book and kind of fundamental to this really you know three minute rule. And I, basically, it's kind of just having things in the right order so that people stick with you through that entire approach motivation process. Right. You know, being most receptive to the message that you're sharing. Would you mind kind of, again, maybe going through the specifics of
1: that order and why conceptualize before contextualize before actualize is so important? Yeah, it's basically the foundation of value, right? Like when you understand something, and that's when, when we'll talk about it in a bit of the WAC method where you s- sort of categorize your information. It's like first we got to understand what it is and how it works. Like there's no – Information that has any value until we understand that. Right. And so I can tell you all the cool things that happened and I can give you all the facts and the figures and the history and how big the market is. And it's like, okay, great. I just like, what does that even mean? Right. And I've, I had Mm -hmm. that with uh, a lot of my clients, like oil and gas guys are so terrible because they want to get up and talk about what they've done. I was the senior vice president of Chevron International for 14 years. I ran the West Coast operations of the things. I am a certified uh, oil separation guide expert, and my board is made up of 14. And it's like, I've seen those guys do that for six and a half minutes in the opening of a presentation. And it's like, okay, that's impressive. I get it. But like, why is it even relevant? I don't even know what you do yet. I don't even know what your company is. Like, <laughs> Can you like, right I, Like now I'm sort of like trying to fit that puzzle piece in like, okay, okay Oh, so, so you're a big fancy oil guy. Okay. Like, and you want that to be relevant because, Oh, I get it. Oh, because you're doing this here. Like that's not effective, especially today. It's not effective because no one's going to do the work. So the way you use those three steps, when you conceptualize it, it means like, okay, let me explain to you what it is. Let me explain how it works. This is what we're talking about. This is the world we're in. This is what it is that I'm actually offering. It's an accounting method that's going to, you know, that's going to help you blank, blank, blank in your podcast accounting systems. Like, okay, now I kind of know what you are. And it's like, okay, well, how do you do that? Okay, now you can explain to me why you're really good or why it's different or what you've been doing in the past or how long you've been doing. That's the context, right? Mm. Now I get it. I understand your value and I want some context. And that section where you conceptualize it, then you contextualize it, meaning like, how is it going to work for me? Why do I care about this? Why do I need this? And then actualize means like, okay, I don't even live here. I don't own a car or I love this. How much does it cost? Or, you know, how long does it take to implement or like those kind of things? Those only have real value after I understand everything else. After everything else is in place, then those have value. That's why besides like that old adage. If they stumble on the price. You haven't explained the value enough, hmm. which is, It's a, listen, for me, that's a scary thing because it sounds like old school sales stuff, which is just evil in my mind. But there's some truth to the idea that, like, if the price becomes a stumbling block unnecessarily, it's because you haven't laid out why that's relevant, right? Price can always be a stumbling block. Like, no matter how much value I see in it, it still just might be too much money for me or I just don't want to spend it, right? That's fine. Sure. But what you don't want somebody is making that decision because they don't have the understanding of the value. And what I show you is how to build that understanding so that the price becomes simply from my world, do I want to spend that kind of money? Is it valuable to me? And there's no way you, as the person trying to sell something, can make that decision for me. And if you try, I will know and I will not be happy and I will not be impressed. You use my name over and over. Ugh, I don't want to hear that. You try to tell me my problem and how it's going to solve it. I'm not impressed with that. I don't want to hear that. That sounds like a sales pitch. Mm-hmm. And anything that sounds like a sales pitch today is is out the window. Totally. Yeah, and what you're
0: alluding to is kind of the difference in philosophy between inform and lead, which is to put information up front and let the the person that you're communicating with connect the dots on their own and draw their own conclusions yes. versus state and prove where it's like, this is the way it's going to change
1: your life. Yeah. And then now I have to justify now I have to that prove it. back And end. guess what? Nobody believes you. Nobody believes mm-hmm. you. I have an investment that can right. make you 10 times in your money by the end of the year. Oh really? Go F yourself is what my instant thought is. Like, I don't want to like, <laughs> let me out of this elevator. Like that's what I'm thinking right away. Right. And it's just like, what you have to do is explain what the opportunity is, how the investment works, what the return is, what the exit strategy is. And then they should be thinking in their mind, damn, I could probably make 10 times my money by the end of the year, right? Like they might not say it exactly, but they should be leading to that moment. And I, and I, in the book, I tell a great story about Bar Rescue, probably the most successful show I created. And I brought in John Taffer, who's a huge star, but I didn't go in there and say, hey, I'm going to pitch you Bar Rescue. It's with John Taffer. He is the Gordon Ramsay of bars and nightclubs. Because it's like uh-huh. he is, but the president of that we're going to be like, oh, God, sure he is. All right, go ahead. Let me hear it. And then every word he would have said, everything that would have happened, every history, the guy would have been like, um, yeah, you well, know, it's not Gordon Ramsay. I mean, well, he's that really, you know, he'd be judging it. Instead of listening, instead of forming the foundation of information, he'd be listening to see if my claims were true. And what happened in that particular meeting was, after I walked them through what the show was, after I walked them through how we were going to do it in each episode, after I walked them through who John was and his experience and how he built bars and and all that stuff, the network president literally said, oh, so he could be our Gordon Ramsay for bars and nightclubs. Bing. So I, I led him to that conclusion, and that's what I teach in the book. Like, okay, what's the most valuable thing you have? What's your big grand conclusion? Okay, how do we lead up to that? How do you make your audience almost say it? They should be thinking it by the time you get there. That's what you want.
0: Yeah. And that's, I mean, the order in which you can most successfully lead is conceptualize, contextualize, and actualize. Right. So I love how those two points
1: kind of tie. And it's just together. like a movie. Like if you think about it, if you're taking the Shawshank Redemption, the movie doesn't start with, he's going to escape and it's going to be really cool. Let me show you why it's important for you to, that he wants to escape. Like what? It's like, no, you conceptualize it. Hey, here's the timeline. Here's what happens to him. He's in like, you know what I mean? Like you build all of those things. Then we build context to the characters and why it's so nuanced. And then by the time he's getting ready to escape, you give a crap. Mm -hmm. You want him to escape. And even if you've seen the movie four times, you still like it because it's leading you to the right conclusion.
0: Totally. And I think this point, kind of this whole idea is best summarized in one of your excerpts that I want to read right now, which is, Many people start out wanting to use facts, figures, logic, and reason to explain their value proposition to others. But facts, figures, logic, and reason require context to be effective and credible. Context requires a foundation of understanding. A foundation of understanding requires a solid premise. So that's walking us back through the conceptualized, contextualized, actualized process and how so many people communicate in the reverse direction. And it's just not set up for success. Oh,
1: preach. That is just absolutely fantastic. That's it right there. In a nutshell, there Dude, you go. I
0: devoured this book. I devoured it. No, I loved yeah. it. But okay. And we're, we're alluding to it because part of this CCA process, as I've named it, um, you can steal that if you'd like. Right. Um, but, but built into that is the WAC method, which is an acronym for WHAC. And that's really the core of the book and kind of how you can actually answer the right questions or speak to the right points as you're going through this kind of dynamic lead the audience, um, forward kind of approach. So would you mind kind of picking apart this whack method, uh, the different roles it plays within that CCA progression, and then, um, just kind of coming full circle about how that's effective. It's
1: funny because like the, the, listen, the book's guys, you know, the book's got some fun, cool stories, but it really is a step-by-step guide on how to build any picture presentation. Like the book follows its own sort of advice a lot where it's like, Hey, uh, I'm not gonna waste my time sort of explaining a whole pile of theory and a whole pile of like things I learned. It's more like, okay, like here's why this work, like here's what it is. Here, let's get into it, right? And let me walk you through. Mm -hmm. And the whack method is sort of the most effective way I, I deal with clients and anybody in the book, which is there's four questions to build your presentation or your pitch or your first three minutes. And it is, what is it? How does it work? Are you sure? And can you do it? Right. And it's in that order. So what is it is literally, what is it? Something that states what it is you're offering, what it is you provide, what it is you're selling, what is it you want to do, right? And then how does it work again is literally, how does it work? <laughs> like it's I have to get people just to just break it down to the simplest thing. How does it work? How does it operate? How do you do that? I understand what it is now. How does it work? And if you picture yourself, listening to someone's long, belaboring pitch on something. How many times in your mind have you gone like, okay, uh, can you just tell me what this is? Can you just tell me how this works? Like, can we just get, how does this work? Like your brain wants that information right now.
0: And to the previous point also is just like how people need it to be stripped of its complexity. Yes. Like, how does it work simply? Like, you know too much, like just break it down to making it simple.
1: And you just like, you get so frustrated with that and your brain is just like, just tell me how it is. Just tell me what it is. Just tell me what it is. What it is. Okay, and how does that work? Uh-huh. Great. And now- In, in a way our, that I can understand. That's right, like just, uh, right? That's your, so that's the first two steps. Bing, bing. What is it? How does it work? That's how you open, right? When I go to, are you sure? That is now where you can bring in those facts and figures and logic and reason to explain Mm -hmm. and validate those, the what is it and how it works. That's where you basically saying like, yes, I've done this before. Here's how I know it's successful. Here's where we've been in. in, You know, here's my trials. Here's my results. Like the things that actually validate the structure, not a big claim. that's the greatest thing in the world, but basically that it can explain that this is actually real. Like it's, are you sure? Are you sure this actually works that way? Are you, are you sure the law allows this? Like those kind of things, right? Like, how would you frame that question in your mind if someone was yapping and they told you something that was kind of cool and you're like, wait, are you sure you can actually pull that off? Like, are you sure that works that way? You know, are you sure the city has ordinances yeah. that allow that, you know, like that's, you know, are you sure you have enough capitalization to make that happen? Because if I like what you've said, that's the question, wait, are you sure? Oh, good. You know? And that sort of is where you validate the elements of why you're there and how this is, how this came to be, yes, you know? And from there, then you go to, can you do it? Because I'm sold. I'm 95% of the way there, right? If I understand what it is, I understand how it works. I understand that this actually is real. Now I want to know how I can get it or how we talk further or what's the real, like, does this actually become real? Can you actually do it, right? Because... If you can't source the stock or you can't make it in time or it's too expensive or whatever, that's the only last little piece. And for most people, that's a problem that's solvable. And biggest loser is a great example. Conceptually so clean, you know, overweight contestants are going to compete to lose the most weight. Whoever loses the most weight is the biggest loser. We're going to take two teams with eight contestants on each and each they're each going to be given a trainer and they're going to compete in various challenges, some physical, some eating. And it's like, by each episode, we're going to eliminate one of the contestants. Like, okay, I get it. There's the concept. There's how it works. And then I would go into these sort of, are you sure? Listen, I, you know, 57% of America is overweight. People who are related, diet industry is $4 billion, whatever it is. So I'm basically building the context around that. Are you sure? Like, oh, wow, people will relate to this. Then it's like, can you do it? It's like, yeah. At that time, the answer was no. The, the, the guy who created The Biggest Loser wasn't a TV producer. He was a, a big agent. And had just started sort of a production company, packaging company. And so the NBC was not going to be like, great, we're just going to hand you $16 million to produce this thing. Like, so, and it wasn't like they were just like, oh, we love this idea, but since you can't do it, eh, we're dead. No, they're just like, okay, well, let's hire somebody to do it. Let's get someone who does produce this called my company. And there you go. There's the biggest loser story. But <laughs> like, people will solve that problem if they buy into the rest of your message.
0: Right. And you said that. In the book, you also say that like after you go through W, H, and A, like they're sold. The can you do it isn't that important. It's like, okay, we'll figure it out. Like that's not even one of the pivotal steps that's of right. the whole process. You just nope. like that can be figured nope. out. It's like you have to be sold on the rest of it. Um, And and I want to just right. kind of like back up too and kind of tie in how this goes into the conceptualize, contextualize, and actualize theory. It's the W and H are under the first conceptualize. And then you have your A, that's are you God. sure? Exactly. Under the contextualize and yeah. can we do it? is under the actualized. So this all is kind of like you said, yeah. a walkthrough approach of, you know, this is how it like really a step-by-step approach of like, this is what you can break it down to. And yeah. you go into way more granularity in terms of how
1: many statements of value and stuff to improve, which we don't need to touch on here, but yeah. it really is a full It's just that you want people to know it, right? Like you, I, I wanted people to be like, hey, if you want to build your pitch literally from scratch, follow this method, you'll see how powerful it is. Now, I can't make people buy your stuff. Because maybe it's not that great. Maybe it's not right for them. I mean, listen, this, this was my world, right? I pitched hundreds of television shows. It feels like I never sold any of them. Mm-hmm. That's the way television selling is, right? But I never left a meeting where the buyer said, oh, I don't get the idea. Every single show I pitched, they understood it as well as I did. Now they make a decision where they don't like it for CBS or ABC. I get that. And that's the most powerful thing you can do today. It's like, you can't sell anybody anything. No one wants to be sold. No one is going to let you sell them. So true. They'll buy, they'll actively buy, but it's got to be on their terms. So really all you want them to do is understand it. They will get it. If you follow this message, they will get it. Now, whether they buy it is a whole other conversation. And you got to deal with that on basically on your own, terms but at least everybody you talk to will understand it and i'm talking i have made that happen for biotech companies that specialize in type 1 diabetes anti-rejection gene therapy and it's like i can get them to make everybody understand what they do how they do it why it's great and how you can get involved right the rest takes care of itself yeah
0: no, it's, it's powerful. It really is enlightening kind of walking through it because as I you know, learned it of the first time, I was like, wow, this makes so much sense. It's just very logical, very rational and very simple, right? I mean, that's kind of built into this whole thing. And, and that's what I wanna touch on too is that as you mentioned, this WAC method, this is for your first three minutes. And this isn't the end of the conversation. This is just to get their interest to a level where you can actually have the larger conversation is kind of my understanding of it. Yeah. So tell
1: us about the ending. Um, well, it's kind of funny because everybody's three, and it's funny to say, but everybody's three minutes is different. Like some people are a minute and 42 seconds, yep. like whatever it is, less than three minutes, that's the most important thing. And then everybody's looking for a big ending. Everybody's looking for this cool way to wrap it up, way to close. And I'm like, no, there's no ending, nothing. You don't want to tell your audience that this is a pitch that you've been rehearsing, that you've been planning, that you've been building for them because it it takes them out of the moment, takes them out of the story, takes them out of the conversation. And I like I use the example: when you watch Shark Tank, have you ever seen the end? There's always somebody that pitches their idea. Everybody's kind of interested, and then they go, "Hey, sharks, what do you think we take a dive into this one or whatever?" You so know. Corny. And you could see Mark Cuban's eyes roll and be like, "Oh, right, this is a corny pitch you rehearsed in the mirroring. Never mind. All right, here we go. Let's you know." And it's like you don't want to do that, and you've said everything. Like you don't need to tie it with a bow. You don't need to make it cute and effective. You just need to be like, there's the information. And the first thing out of your clients, customers, husband's mouth is basically the information that you want. It's like, let's get into it. And even when I'm training people on an actual presentation, that's going to take more than three minutes. Right. And that happens a lot. An investor presentation is going to be 20 minutes, probably as a public company. If you're doing a roadshow, you're 15 to 20 minutes, if I can get them down enough. And, like you're not going to stop after three minutes and just be like, okay, that's it, because there's a ton more information in those companies. And those people in those seats actually want some granular details. But what they do, what I do is like, here's your first three minutes or two minutes and 12 seconds or whatever it is that will set the stage, get people's interest. They sit up in their chair, they get it, they understand it. Now they want question answered. And so whether you're actually gonna be like, hey, I'm gonna answer some questions for you specifically, what are your questions? Let's talk or whether it's metaphorically okay. Now my next part of my presentation is going to answer questions you probably have after hearing my first 3 minutes. And I'll literally have them sort of stop, take a pause, logo on the screen, no ending and just be like, "Okay, so let me get into this." And then they start's going through the pieces that now will be relevant because you understand everything totally. and you're probably interested. Mm-hmm. You now you want to get engaged. I want to engage. Let's talk about things that are like Micro level, really cool stuff. Things that are really interesting. Things that make it better. But those are the engagement phase. And once you have somebody past that, an information phase. Now they want to
0: engage. Right, and that's all the stuff that you you find personally interesting, which is the weeds of the details and everything. But that's not fundamental to the understanding. That's
1: fundamental to the explanation after the understanding. Right, and what you're going to find is when you find when you have an audience that understands your concept, they may actually come up with their own weeds. They might actually come up with more value than you thought of. And I find that with a lot of clients is that when they can explain it really clearly to people, smart, dynamic people and their customers and their clients that do this a lot actually find value for you sometimes because now they understand it and they'll bring up ideas and they'll bring up methods and they'll start to work on it in their world. And you're Mm. like, oh my God, I never thought of that. That's a great idea. Like I've done that a ton of times.
0: Very interesting. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And okay, that kind of puts a bow on the content of the pitch. And actually that's kind of our a little allusion into the the final category I want to talk about, which is the delivery. And something that you kind of use to consolidate the the information is you have this this quote, simplicity is power, clarity is compelling, and information is valuable. And that's built into the yep. informant lead, the WAC method, like all of that kind of is synthesized around these three points. But also, there's something really interesting about it being simple that I enjoyed reading about, which is that with simplicity comes confidence, and that's just one element to your delivery and how you can be effective. Can you kind of talk about what that means with confidence, and can I, other ways that your delivery can be optimized while using kind of the, the framework that you've provided here? Oh, absolutely.
1: I mean, and that is—it's one of the things that I get asked the most, especially if like someone's hiring me to come in and like train their sales force or their marketing guys. It's always like, I, you know, can I be more confident? Can you help me be more confident? It's like, well, no, because that's your personality. Like it's not something you learn. You don't learn confidence. You don't develop confidence. You don't pretend F- like it's not like that, right? Mm-hmm. Competence comes from the perceived value you have of the information you're giving others. Hmm. If you really believe in the information you're giving others, you will be confident about it. Now, listen, do you get public speaking jitters? Sure. But only because it's hard for you to to rationalize the value you're bringing. And so I always use the example um, when I'm on stage where it's like, hey, if I was going to cater your wedding and I had Gordon Ramsay to be the chef, like how many words would I need? (laughs) I'd need four words. I have Gordon Ramsay. And and when I'm coming to talk to you about it, how confident would I be? Would I be like mouthy and not wanting to talk loudly and my shoulders are all hunched in? No, I'd be like chest up, excited. I have a big smile on my face. I'd be, I'd be excited to say to you, Hey, I got Gordon Ramsay!" right? Like that's confidence. And that's because I know the value of that information. And the more words you use, the less confident you appear to your audience. Because if I had my brother-in-law, ex-convict, who's never really cooked before, but really needed a job. And I wanted him to be the chef at your wedding. Like I'd need a lot of words. I'd be trying to explain it to you. I wouldn't be very confident about my outcome. And you would sense that I'm selling you and that I'm desperate and that I need it. And so I have this sort of word chart that I develop where it's like, where are you on the scale? Where is your information? Because it's somewhere between Gordon Ramsay and my convict (laughs) ex-brother-in-law. So The more words you use, that's what you're showing your audience. You are on the scale, keep yapping, try to explain it. They're going to know you're closer to the convict brother-in-law. Don't say, you know, don't, don't say a lot, use simple words, simple phrases. They're going to think they're going to feel your confidence in your information. And when I can get people to see that, and I'll tell you the introverted type person, um, is easier for me to work with the type a personalities like myself, Are actually harder for me to train because they want to use their natural personality and their charisma and their charm to overpower a meeting, to take over and like hide the gaps in their information and like skip over stuff. And it's like what I used to do way back in television when I couldn't actually get the show right. I would just sort of skip over the casting or like, don't worry about the challenges. Like, we'll figure the challenges out later. And it's like, yeah, people saw through that. And I wouldn't have done that if I didn't think I had like, enough charm to like make the meeting go well. So when I work with like introverted types or like scientists or biochemists, like they're actually the, they're actually really good at this. Cause it's like, Oh, thank God. I don't have to do, I don't have to do cartwheels. I don't have to make tricks. I don't have to do neuro-linguistic programming. I can just tell people the simple information and the confidence they feel from that and what it brings out of them is infectious. You can see it right away because for the, probably the first time they're actually able to make people understand what they understand. And when you see that in others, you're like, oh my God, I love this. This is so exciting. And it builds and like, it's infectious. It's compelling. That's what, that's where the value comes from. Hmm.
0: Yeah, that's, and what you, you've mentioned something, which was super interesting and actually counterintuitive when I read it in the book was how you would kind of overlook some of the things that you weren't confident on just because you couldn't rely on your personality to bridge those gaps, so to speak. And there's actually a part of the book where you talk about addressing negativity up front and letting people kind of start problem solving for you just by stating like, hey, this is a concern and this is what we're working through. And I don't know, could you quickly touch on that too? Cause I thought that was so fascinating.
1: Yeah. And it's it's like it's one of those things where people like my first question, if I if we were sitting down and I was I was trying to help you is I would say, okay, what do you hope your audience doesn't find out? What's the qu- <laughs> yeah. what's the question you don't hope you hope they don't ask? And it's like, people are like, oh, oh, I don't even want to tell you. And I am like, yeah, You're like, what is it? Just, let's just start about, it. oh, my competitor's cheaper. Oh, you know, it takes a really long time or whatever it is. Right. Or it's like, I'm not sure I can deliver all this. Well, whatever it is, it's like, okay, do you really think your audience is not going to figure this out? Like there's no version of the audience, not finding the negative thing. They are going to poke holes until they find it. So it leaves you three options. Option one is you bring it up and deal with it in the room with the person directly. Option two is they bring it up in the room and you got to deal with it. Option three is nobody brings it up, but they find out later. Now, if they bring it up, it means they've been thinking about it. And it doesn't usually happen where that just springs into their mind. It means you've said something and their brain goes, wait a second, I don't, I'm not even sure that's legal. I, I'm not even sure we can pull that off wait a second, did Massachusetts pass that law? Like, what happens with my tax code? Like, and they're going through it in their mind while you're trying to explain your information. And then eventually they stop and be like, wait a second, it, but I'm in Massachusetts. I don't know that this works there, right? Like, and you're like, oh my God, well, no. And you're trying to explain, oh yeah, well, it's true, but we can do, you know? And it's like, so they missed all of the value, right? And the number two is they don't bring it up. They think it, they don't bring it up. And later on they discover it and they're like, oh, you you son of a bitch, you hid you this from <laughs> me. That's what right. they think. If you bring it up, And own it, it shows that A, it's probably not a big enough deal to ruin everything because you wouldn't have brought it up. You have the confidence in the rest of what you're saying that this is turns into a non-issue. And it's like, okay, let's solve it. I've been thinking about it. I understand it. I'm not trying to hide anything. Let's just put it on the table. So I started doing that in every single pitch. I'd go in, I'd make my pitch, I'd go through the details, why it's so great, how it works, are you sure? All this stuff. And then as I got to that hook, I would be like, But here's the problem. I'm not sure this show works as well if we don't get the casting right. And it's a very narrow thing on casting. And I'm not sure I can make that work within the budget. And the buyer goes, well, I don't know if it has to be. I mean, even if we cast it reasonably well, it's still gonna be a great show. We might get luck. And that's like they they solve the problem, right? Right. And and, you know, I've had it, oil and gas guys. I've had it biotech guys. I've had it selling products. It's like, but here's the issue. If you don't use it this way, it can fall apart. If it's you know, like, if you screw this up, you got to send it in to get fixed. If I don't, you know, if you don't have your team listen, they won't get the value. Like whatever that negative is, if you bring it up and let them solve it with you and and nail it, like it, it changes the narrative right there on the spot. It's the all is lost moment in a movie where Rocky Balboa gets knocked down for the the last time, there's no way he's getting off the canvas. You don't just get up and leave the movie because you're like, this guy's such a bum. It's mm-hmm. like, no, you you actually want him to get up more than ever. You're, you, this is the point where, because he's been knocked down before and you didn't jump out of your seat, but now you're jumping out of your seat screaming at the TV. Please get up, right? And it's because that all is lost moment builds your desire for the outcome. And when you can lay that out a little bit, when you can give your audience just a taste of that, they want to fix it. They're in a place of engagement where they want to fix it for you, where they want it to work.
0: Right. And, and having the confidence up front to be able to address the negatives is just such a powerful point, too, because, yeah, then they're looking to solve for you. That's awesome. Cool. And it, this also kind of fits into your, and I believe it's on the front of the book, which is say less, get more. You know, just be confident in the information that you're delivering. And if, you know, they can draw their own conclusions from it, but be confident that you find value in it and that it's the right to be communicated to them.
1: Yeah. And you don't need to outshout everybody, right? right? Like Everybody's feeling the same thing. Everybody's going big. Everybody's saying it louder. Everybody's trying to say it right. And it's like the natural instinct is like, I got to pile on. It's like a, it's like the, the floor of a New York stock exchange in the 1980s. Like you think you got to be the guy just climbing on everybody to get heard. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not like that in the world right now. Like the simplicity, someone who can walk into a meeting and, and, and speak, speak plainly and simply and get to the point is like it resonates it like it shocks you and i I have this great example where you know in the turn of the century niagara falls actually froze and stopped flowing Hmm. and the five thousand residents in the town were shaken awake in their sleep at three in the morning when the fall stopped why Because they had been so used to the thundering, water, raging noise of those falls that that became what they just tuned out. That became their normal background noise. And the silence of the falls stopping was the loudest sound they had heard in years. And they were jarred out of their sleep from it. And that's kind of the world we're in now. Marketing and promises and things on the internet and people telling you stuff and everybody talking is a raging torrent of water heading over the falls that you just tune out you just don't hear it anymore and when someone can just basically cut through that by not yapping by not trying to impress you by not saying it over and over again in bigger bolder ways it cuts right through you you hear it louder than you hear anything else
0: that is a powerful point I love that I really do that's awesome I wish that was in the book (laughs) um (laughs) Cool. All right. So we covered a good amount of the book. I mean, obviously we can't cover it all like the hook and the edge and even some of the exercises like the post note exercises and the statements of value. Like there are a lot of things that we didn't get to touch on here that just really illuminate a lot of the value of what's been shared today. So we definitely yeah. need to get this in people's hands because it is something that's yes. very powerful. Um, and I, I love wrapping up my interviews and I'm going to really put you to the test because you know, you're you're all about kind of being simple and concise and high quality. Um, So what what is one takeaway? What's the core thesis that you would want people to leave today understanding? And if you could do it in three minutes or less,
1: then that would be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that simplicity is the new sexy. And that you don't have to impress people with your words and the way you put your sentences together and the way you convey your information. What they want is is the core value you provide. And really, that's what you want to give. So when you strip out all that you want to say and just focus on what needs to be said, you will actually get heard more often and be more compelling in your storytelling.
0: Amazing. Brant, Pinvish, you killed it. And you are going to absolutely kill it and everything else using this three-minute rule. I appreciate you.
1: Yeah, buddy, I'm ready. Rock and roll
0: did he over deliver or what? I am really impressed by Brant's knowledge on the subject and how cohesive the philosophy is. Let me just highlight a few points from the interview. The whole three minute rule is built around simplicity, clarity, and information. People don't want to be sold anymore and it's important that you inform them on the details of your proposition and let them draw their own conclusions. It's kind of like inception if you will but you can lead them by optimizing the order and content of the message. First, you conceptualize the idea and tell them what it is and how it works. Then you contextualize the idea and show that the idea has firepower behind it with stats, reputation, and other forms of credibility. Then you talk about the next steps. Can we do it? And what needs to happen to take action on the idea? Now that you understand the core premise, it's time to take your understanding of it to the next level. And the only way you can do that is by reading the book. Whether you're in sales and pitching an offer, trying to change something internally in a relationship or at work, or even thinking through the fundamentals of an idea that you want to powerfully communicate, the three-minute rule will improve your capability in all of these areas. You can use the link in this episode description to purchase the book and support charity all in one click. The benefiting organization is St. Jude's Children's Hospital, one of Brandt's favorite organizations. I'm just trying to make the world a better place, and we can do it together. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time on Self-Improvement Daily.